Well, hey, good morning, church. It's really good to be here with you. Um, we are in the final week of our series, The Wisdom of Work. Uh, man, it's been a while. I think we, I think we did eight weeks here, but um, yeah, it's, it's really good to be in the final week. Uh, next week, please do join us. We're starting up Christmas stuff. Uh, next week, we're going to begin our Advent series. Uh, it's the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and we're actually going to be starting in the book of Matthew. And we'll be traveling through the book of Matthew all the way up until probably about February or so. Uh, and actually, it, it fits perfectly into the time of the year. And so we'll study the beginning of the life of Jesus. And what you'll notice in this Advent series is that Jesus doesn't really have like a really clean-cut upbringing. Uh, his genealogy is sort of horrendous. It has all of these misfits in it. Uh, his, even, the, even the first people who visit him are sort of like psychics, wise men. You know, uh, he, the king tries to kill him, right? There's all these things that happen. And really, during the season of Christmas, we say, you know, tis the season to be jolly. But the book of Matthew would say, tis the season to be real, to be raw, to be authentic with our feelings. And to just say, hey, you know what? Even if I don't have joy this Christmas, let me be real and honest to God about those things. And so that's what we want to do. We're calling this series an honest advent. So please join us uh, next week. We're going to be starting that up within the book of Matthew. Uh, but today we have our final sermon in the series on the wisdom of work, and we save the best for last, the juicy stuff, gossip. And we're going to be talking about gossip today. And so um, if, you, if you do have your Bibles, uh, you can turn there, although I would highly recommend just looking at the screens because we're going to be jumping around all over the place in the book of Proverbs. Uh, I apologize. I forgot to put whether it was the NIV uh, version of the Bible or the ESV version. Um, and so, uh, but... Hopefully, I, th I think those are accurate up there. Hopefully, those are accurate up there. But um, I think most of them are actually from the NIV. I'm pretty sure it's from the NIV. So with that said, would you all rise as we read God's word together? We do this out of honor and reverence for God's word. Uh, I'll read this for us. I'll, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. If you could respond with thanks be to God. Uh, I'll pray for us. And then after the prayer, I'll seat you after that, all right? So here, here we go, the reading of God's word. Proverbs 11:13 says this, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever conceals an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 18, 8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. And then Proverbs 20, 19, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Uh, Lord Jesus, we pray and we ask, Lord, that you would help us to see, Lord, this morning just how powerful our tongues really are, God, and that we can affect death and we can affect life, Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that we'd be a church that eats the fruit of goodness, that, God, we would spread joy and thanksgiving and love. Lord, we ask now that you would give me the ability to speak your truths, your wisdom, and would you give us the hearts and the ears to receive. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Uh, okay. Three points uh, we normally have. The power of gossip is the first point. Uh, the danger of gossip is the second point. And then finally, the end of gossip, all right? So we'll be talking about the power, the dangers, and then finally, how to go about ending gossip, all right? Uh, you guys have probably heard this saying before, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, this is something that I was taught as a kid very early on. And one of the things that I noticed, though, is that this phrase does not work, <laughs> I know what they're saying, right? Powers only have, um, you know, the wor words only have powers as long as you give them meaning. Um, and yet, I think that over the years, as I tried to apply this, it just never worked. It never worked because in reality, what Scripture tells us is very, very different, actually. It tells us, actually, if you look there at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. 
It's saying that the tongue is incredibly, incredibly powerful. The book of James actually talks a lot about the tongue. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about the tongue. And if you look at that word power there, if you read it in the Hebrew context, it's talking about a different body part. They're talking about the tongue, but then it's contrasting that to this power, which is the word for hand in the Hebrew. The word for hand in the Hebrew is oftentimes used of Samson when he's using his hands to kill the Philistines. It's used of God when his hand is being seen in the book of Ezekiel to show his power and his might. And it's saying, look, the, the tongue has incredible, incredible power. The book of James would go on to say that the tongue is the smallest part of the body, and yet it is the most powerful. In fact, my, my brother and my sister-in-law were visiting, and they're both doctors. And I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what they said. They said the tongue is actually the most powerful muscle in the whole body. Like pound for pound, it is the most powerful muscle in all the body. And look at what James chapter 3, verse 4 and 5 goes on to say. It says, look at the ships. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Uh, Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Boats are massive, and yet these small rudders can direct and guide them. And the same is true of the tongue. The tongue is tiny, but it is very, very powerful. Look look what uh, the book of James goes on to say. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on, by, um, on fire by hell. Here's what James is saying here. Uh, in, it, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in early October of 2017, uh, there were these massive wildfires that swept across northern California. Uh, it actually destroyed something like 220,000 acres of land, okay? Uh, just to give you some perspective, that's, uh, that's 26 bothels being burned to the ground. Okay, bothels about, I, I believe, something like 9,000 acres of land. So we're talking about 26 or so of these kinds of bothels being burned, okay? Uh, there were about 8,200 building structures, about 42 people that were killed, and 185 people that were hospitalized. And guess what started all of it? It was a spark. After they did all this investigation, what they realized was there was this little telephone line or electrical line that had been shooting out sparks, and this one spark destroyed 220,000 acres of land. And this is what James is saying. It is tiny, but it will set the world on fire. You think your tongue and your words are harmless? You think sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? No, absolutely not. They will destroy a person's life. Your tongue has the power to devastate and kill and destroy people, although it is the smallest member of your body. Uh, Ray Ortland, he's a pastor and an author. He wrote uh, a commentary on the book of Proverbs, and listen to what he says. He says, I've never seen adultery send a whole church into meltdown. I've never seen it, he says. Gossip, by contrast, is often perceived as a little sin, but it destroys churches. And I would say this is true of your workplaces too. Look, if you're working on a team, you're really on a really, really strong team right now, you, won't, you know what will destroy that team? It's not outside pressure. It's not market forces. It's internal gossip and slander. When you don't like one of your teammates because they're lazy and you start talking about them to other coworkers behind their backs, this is what will tear the team down. When you don't like your boss or your manager, and instead of talking directly to them, you go to all your other coworkers and you start telling them, look at, look at what Bob is doing. Look at, what, look at how he manages us. He's a terrible leader. And you start talking and, and sowing seeds of distrust into every single person.
person. If you have a strong family life, do you know what will destroy the health of that strong family? It's not death in the family. Sometimes those things will actually strengthen you. Poverty will oftentimes strengthen you as well. But what will destroy a family is when that family begins to gossip about each other. When husband begins to tell everyone else, you know what my wife is doing, or when wife is telling everyone else, you know what my husband is doing, this is what will destroy a family. And so let's go back to the proverb. The tongue has the power of life and death. You can literally bring people life through your tongue, or you can bring them death. This is how powerful the tongue is. Look, let's go back to James, right? He says, the tongue is a fire and a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James is saying this. Did you know we don't have to wait to go to hell or heaven? Did you know you can bring heaven and hell right into earth right now by your tongue? You can set someone's whole world on fire by your tongue. You can literally make somebody feel like they're living hell on earth by your tongue. This is how powerful your tongue is. You can set somebody on fire. There was a documentary. I'm not sure if it's still there, but it's, uh, it was a documentary called Audrey and Daisy. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's a very sad, sad documentary, and I apologize if you're a youth student in here, but I think this is something you should know. Right? Audrey uh, was a 16-year-old girl. She was brutally raped multiple times. But th that wasn't even the worst part. You know what's even worse is these guys took all the photos and they shared it online. And they started gossiping all about Audrey behind her back. And all of a sudden, these girls and all of these guys and all of these friends started talking about Audrey and how the reason why all of this stuff happened was because she was promiscuous. You know what happened to Audrey? She killed herself. How? You don't need a gun. You don't need knife. You don't need swords. You just need words to kill somebody. The Holocaust was started by words. Gossip about the Jewish people. Adolf Hitler got thousands upon thousands of people to believe words. And because they believed those words, he was able to get a whole nation to affect genocide on another group of people. You can unleash hell on earth with just your words. At the same time, the proverb says this, it has the power to bring life. Right? Do you understand what the gospel is? The gospel are words. It's just words. And yet the gospel is news and it spreads by the tongue and the gospel has the power unto salvation. This is what the book of Romans tells us. The gospel can literally bring spiritual life back into you. The gospel has the power to lift the brokenhearted. The gospel has the power to feed the hungry. Pastor Clara's sermon probably got you in your hearts to say, you know what, I want to consider feeding homeless people now. The, power has the, the gospel has the power to clothe the naked, to help the poor. It has the power to lift people to the highest of heavens as well. It has the power to give you an identity far beyond anything the world could ever offer. Let me talk about another 16-year-old. I heard a testimony of another 16-year-old boy who had terminal cancer. And although he received the worst news of his life, he had joy, unspeakable joy in his life. Why? Because of the gospel. He said, I'm not afraid of death. In fact, I'm going to live every single day with purpose, with gratitude, with hope. Why? Because I know I'm saved, because I know the gospel. And so he lived every single day of his life, although it was short, he lived it with joy, purpose, love, and being a gift to everyone around him. Why? Because of words. And so we have to understand, look, your tongue, although it is very small, it has a power to bring life, has a power to bring death. So let's move into our second point, the danger of gossip. Let's talk specifically now about gossip, okay? 
Uh, Proverbs uh, 11, 13. Well, let me, let me just say this first. Gossip is incredibly dangerous, and I'm going to list out three things, okay? There's three reasons why I think gossip is incredibly, incredibly dangerous, okay? Um, and, and so let me build it up one by one, but let me first kind of describe what I think gossip is, okay? Proverbs 11:13 says this. Uh, the gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. According to this proverb, okay, gossip is not false information. It's not misinformation. It's not fake news. It's actually... A lot of times, true things, very, very true things. Um, and, and this is why I believe gossip is actually quite dangerous is because we believe as long as it's true, it's actually okay to share with other people. Um, so listen to what Tim Keller says. He gives a really good definition of gossip. And so we'll be working off of this sort of definition of gossip. Gossip then is negative information that may or may not be true, designed to make the speaker and the hearer feel superior to the object of the gossip. And this is where lies the danger of gossip, okay? Um, let's, move, let's move now to the first sub-point of this, okay? Here's the reason why gossip is so dangerous. It's because gossip is easily covered up. It's so easily covered up because we think it's true. As long as it's true, we can share it. As long as it's true of somebody, as long as it's not uh, false, we can go ahead and share this. And so many of you will say this, right? You say, oh, you know what? I'm just venting about so-and-so. You know, I just... I, you know what, I just want you to pray for this person. That's why I'm sharing this information with you. It's true. We just got to pray for them. You know, I just wanted to give you a heads up about this person because you hang out with them a lot. You know, I just want you to know it comes as care and concern. It comes as being very virtuous. It comes because you think it's truthful, and so you share this information. And maybe you say, Eric, but I really do love them, and maybe you do, and maybe there are instances where you do have to warn people about other people, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but... If you really love them, you would get involved. You want to just talk about them? See, because here, let, let me give you some examples of how we cover up gossip with this care and this concern, right? Um, I'm going to use a lot of names, okay? But don't, don't worry. I'm just using these names as if it's like a John or Jane Doe. But imagine, right, you're at your workplace, and maybe there's someone on your team who isn't picking up their slack. And maybe they aren't producing enough, and it's affecting your whole team, okay? And so maybe you go up to Susie, and you say to Susie, hey, Susie. You know, like, you start doing research, right? You know, this is how gossip begins, right? It starts in the research phase. You go, hey, Susie, what do you think about working with Greg? And Susie might answer favorably, oh, I actually like working with Greg. He's a great guy. And so you might say something like, but Greg is like, he's always late, isn't he? Don't you think he's always kind of late? And then Susie's like, yeah, actually, you know what? He is kind of late. Yeah. And you guys start talking smack about Greg. And then it goes, well, yeah, and then, you know, the last time we had that project together, Greg, like... You know, he, he turned in his stuff, but it was kind of like last minute. And it wasn't that good, right, Susie? And Susie's like, yeah, you're right, actually. Greg was. He, did, he is late. He did turn. And then Susie starts to find other instances in her mind where she had a bad experience with Greg. And then all of a sudden, it starts tumbling and rolling. And all of a sudden, it becomes a smack session all about Greg. And then at the end of that time, you say, oh, you know what? This is a great talk. You know, we got to really help Greg. How can we do that? I don't know. Let's just talk to other people about Greg. You're couching in all of this care and concern about Greg, but in reality, what you did was you just talked about Greg a thousand times over, just negative things about Greg through and through. By the way, if your name is Greg or Susie, I apologize, okay? Nothing to do with you, just the, just the name. Look, if you're really concerned about Greg's performance, you know what you'd do is you'd go and talk to Greg. You'd go say, hey, Greg, you know what? This is something that I'm having an issue with with you. 
You would talk to them directly. Why? Because love gets involved. Love gets invested. This is what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ didn't just go, hey, you know what? Angels, look at Eric. He's, he's lazy. He's an idiot. I'm not going to die for him on the cross. Jesus Christ came and he got involved. He told me directly, Eric, you're a sinner. Eric, you, you sinned against me. In the book of Romans, he tells me very clearly, you are a sinner. But guess what? I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get messy. I'm going to get involved in all of these things. I'm going to incarnate myself so that I can heal you and make you whole again. Look, a lot of times we couch all of these things in care and concern. Oh, like I just want you to pray for this person. I want you to just understand this person. I want you to just see this. And we cover it up so easily. And so before you begin couching things in concern, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I really love these people? Do I really love them? Do I really care? Am I willing to get into their mess and their junk? Or do I want to distance myself and just talk about them to other people but distance myself? Do you see that? Do you desire to get closer to them or do you desire to get further away from them? This is how you can know if you really love them or if you just want to talk smack about them. In other words, do you want to get messy? Do you want to get dirty? Because what happens is when you get into other people's sins, you will get messy, you will get, you, their junk will spill out into you, okay? Here's a second reason why I think gossip is so dangerous, okay? Because gossip is pleasurable. Come on, let's be real. Isn't it? It's so much fun to gossip. Listen to what Proverbs 18.8 says, the words of gossip are like choice morsels. Mmm, mm, delicious. They go down to the inmost parts. Let me talk about that first part, and then I'll talk about the second part in a moment. This, what is this proverb saying? Okay, um, uh, I, just, I just wanted to cut, kind of talk about this for fun, but I lived in Los Angeles for 10 years, and uh, I, I've, I've eaten so much great Mexican food, okay? But, uh, the, the, but as, 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 as many great Mexican dishes I've eaten in, in Los Angeles and in San Diego, uh, for some reason, when I was living in Los Angeles, I always craved uh, taco time. I don't know why. Their, their crispy burrito is out of this world. If you have not tried their crispy burrito, I'm telling you, it's, it's fantastic, okay? Uh, when I first moved back up here, I remember uh, after Sunday sermons, after Sunday service, I'd go with Pastor Kenny down to Taco Time right over here, and I, I'd order, I, and by the way, don't order anything else at Taco Time. Only their crispy burrito is good, but it is fantastic, and I would eat that thing up. It is so pleasurable eating that thing. So I'd go every single week. Um, every single week I go to Taco Time, uh, even when they had the chicken jalapeno crispy burrito, my goodness, I can't wait till they bring that thing back, because it is fantastic, it is amazing, okay? What this proverb is saying is that gossip is like eating that crispy burrito. It is so pleasurable, and, and this is why we get addicted to it. We get addicted to it because it tastes so good, and in fact, if you, whenever you finish a gossip session, don't you feel so full and satisfied? You're like, oh, that was a great time. Oh, I feel like I connected to this person. I feel like, because here's what happens, right? Um, you, you might not know somebody very well, right? Maybe you don't know uh, person A very well. You've been struggling to kind of get to know them a little bit. But all of a sudden, you talk about somebody else with them, right? Person A might be there, and you talk about, let's just say Greg again, okay? You're talking about Greg with, with person A, and all of a sudden, you guys have so much in common, and your conversation goes on for hours and hours, and you make this great connection with them, but then at the end of the conversation, what you realize is you just talk smack about Greg for two hours, and this is why you connected with each other, and yet you feel so full, you feel so satisfied, you feel like, gosh, I got so much done today, 
I feel like I helped somebody. Because again, you couch it in care and concern. You feel like a good person. You feel like you connected with somebody. You feel so awesome about yourself after you've talked a bunch of smack about somebody. Because it is so incredibly pleasurable. And this is why gossip is addictive. Once we get a taste of it, we keep going and going and going. You know what isn't very pleasurable, though? And what I think is the opposite of gossip is a confession of sin. Confess your own sins. Why are you confessing everyone else's sins except for yourself? It's the most, like unpleasurable thing to confess your sins oh gosh i struggle with gambling oh gosh like i'm struggling yelling at my wife and my kids i'm struggling with this i'm struggling with that try to confess your own sins and see how pleasurable that is let me ask you a question in fact how much do you find yourself talking and confessing other people's sins or how much do you find yourself confessing your own sins what i've noticed in life and this is just my opinion my own experience is that people who are really apt to confess their own sins they're vulnerable they're transparent these people rarely gossip they're confessing their own sins. But people, man, people you don't know very much about who don't confess their own sins, man, these are the people who gossip constantly. I think we were internally built to confess sins. I honestly believe it. But if we don't confess our own, we end up confessing other people's. Look, friends, it is incredibly addictive to confess other people's sins. And this is why we have to be very careful with it. Because we could go on and on and on, and hours and hours can go by by simply talking about somebody else. Here's a third thing. Gossip distorts your view. And this is the reason why I think it is incredibly dangerous, all right? Let's go back to Proverbs 18.8. The words of a gossip are like choice, choice morsels. It's delicious, right? This is why now it's so dangerous. They go to the inmost parts. How do you kill a king? You can kill a king through war, throwing a spear at them, hitting them with a sword, right? Or you can kill them by poisoning them. This is how they used to kill kings back in the day, right? They used to poison food, and then the king would eat it. It would go into his body, and then it would destroy him from the inside out. The reason why gossip is so incredibly destructive is because what you're doing with gossip is you're going into somebody's soul. You're going into their hearts, and you're distorting their view on other people. You're actually breaking them apart from the inside out. You guys remember uh, Civil War, uh, Marvel, right? What did the guy do? He was like, we can't defeat the Avengers from the outside, but if we penetrate inside, if we get them to hate each other, we can destroy them. It's so true. You want to destroy friendships? You can speak ill things about somebody into their hearts, and then all of a sudden, their, their view of that person becomes distorted. Let me give you an example, okay? Uh, by the way, I, I told Pastor Kenny I'd use him as an example right now, so he knows I'm using this, okay? Imagine, right, uh, you know, next week uh, at Sermon, Okay, I, I say a lot of horrible things about Pastor Kenny. And by the way, this is absolutely not true, okay? Let's just say I say, you know what? Pastor Kenny is lazy. Pastor Kenny is the guy who was up here emceeing, by the way. He's our executive pastor. Let's just say I say, Pastor Kenny is lazy. Uh, he doesn't love the church. He doesn't love God. He doesn't love people. He's in it for himself. He's selfish, right? And, I, and in fact, I pull every one of you guys aside and I say, you know what, Pastor Kenny? You know what he's doing, man? He's just like, he's so lazy. He's just doing whatever he wants. That'll distort your view. But now, now, of course, now, I, I do have to say, uh, by the way, I, I love working with Pastor Kenny. This is absolutely false, which is why I can share this, right? Um, I, I actually love, love working with Pastor Kenny, and I think he's one of the best, um, uh, best co-workers that I could have ever had. Um, I, I truly believe that God uh, blessed our church with Pastor Kenny, and um, I, I oftentimes, uh, I, I told him this this morning, but I said, whenever I think about Pastor Kenny, I think of that NSYNC song. Do you guys remember that song, God Must Have Spent a Little More Time on You? I oftentimes <laughs> think of that of Pastor Kenny. 
And, and also my wife, my wife too. She, she's, she's here in the back too. Uh, um, Pastor Kenny will literally do whatever it takes. He will mop the floors all the way to uh, create a ministry. Whatever is needed for the church, he, he lays down his life for. Uh, in, in, in addition, I, w- I would say this. Like, I'm, I'm very emotional. As you guys can tell in my sermons, I'm very emotional. I'm very passionate. Um, but Pastor Kenny, especially when we're debating and when we disagree on things, one of the things that Pastor Kenny does so well is actually he remains calm. Uh, he, his demeanor, does n- I've never seen him break his demeanor. No matter how passionate I get, I'm like, we got to do this and this and this. He's just like, mm-hmm, yes. And then he'll debate me calmly. But if he, like, if he were to fight back against me, then I'd like fight back and, you know, he'd get bit. But, but because he's so calm and reserved, oftentimes our conversations are incredibly productive because of his demeanor. And so, look, even right now, okay, even as I'm sharing all of these things, I'm shaping your hearts about Pastor Kenny. I've placed something inside of your soul. It's like Inception, that movie, right? I've literally, I'm beginning to incept you. I put an idea inside of your mind and it's going to begin to grow. And here's what happens right now, right? Let's just say I'm sharing all of these things about Pastor Kenny. Let's just say they're negative things. And all of a sudden you email Pastor Kenny and you say, you know what, Pastor Kenny, blah, 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 like you just wanted something. And then let's just say Pastor Kenny doesn't email you back. Well, guess what happens? You're going to interpret all of his behaviors through the lens by which I shared with you in the negative light. And so maybe he doesn't email you back. You say, oh, I know why. It's because of everything Eric shared with me. He's lazy. But let's just say I share positive things with you. And he doesn't email you back. What are you going to say now? You're going to say, oh, you know what? He's probably working really hard. You're going to filter all of your experiences with him through my words. And you see, this is why gossip is so incredibly powerful. It's because you're literally shaping people's views of other people. If you don't trust somebody and you sow that distrust in somebody else, they're not going to trust that person either. If you hate somebody and you sow that into somebody, they're going to end up hating the other person. It's like a virus. It spreads very rapidly, very quickly. And here's the cold, hard reality. Everyone's a sinner. Everyone's flawed. Everyone's got junk. And so I'm telling you, we could find something evil about everyone and share that with everyone. You're always going to be able to gossip about somebody because everyone's got junk. Everyone's got sin. This is what makes gossip incredibly, incredibly dangerous. But we have to notice ourselves by our fruits. What are our fruits? Right? Are we creating a space in our workplaces and our families that's of unity, that's of love, that's of peace? Or what are the fruits of us talking? Is it division? Is it discord? Is it disunity? Is it hatred? What kinds of fruit are you bearing in your life? So finally, let's move on to our third and final point, the end of gossip, okay? Before we talk about the cure or the end, let me just say this, okay? There are going to be instances where you do have to say things to other people. There are going to be those instances, right? Let me give you one. Let's just say your friend starts dating a guy, but you know for certain, right, and you found this out through good sources, credible sources, that this guy was abusive in his last relationships. Like he has a serial abusive relationship, okay? Then yes, maybe it's time for you to tell your friend, hey, maybe don't date this guy because he's abusive, okay? There are times like that where you need to do those things. But I would say that those kinds of instances are the minority. I would say 98% of the time, it's gossip. 2% of the time, you're actually being protective and caring and concerning. I would say 98% of the time, we're actually gossipers, and the negative things that we share don't need to be shared. Rather, we should go directly to the person and love on them and care for them, okay? So with that said, how do we cure this gossip? How do we end gossip, okay? What's really behind gossip? 
Well, I would argue what's behind gossip is pride. Right? Gossip is just a symptom, but what's behind that symptom is this, uh, just this virus or this uh, evil called pride. Right? Look, gossip is addictive. Gossip is pleasurable because ultimately gossip is powered and fueled by pride. Either you like being center stage, right? Because that's what happened when you gossip. You're center stage. You find out information first. You're like, oh, this is good information. I could be center stage. I could get people's attentions by sharing all this evil stuff about other people. And I could be center. You see how it's fueled by pride. You could also make yourself feel prideful because you're sharing somebody else's misery. And sharing someone else's misery actually makes you feel quite good about yourself. Right? Sometimes other people's successes make you feel horrible, but sometimes when you look at other people's misery, it actually makes you feel quite good about yourself. My life is not that bad. My life is not that bad because look at their lives. Or maybe you want to defend your own ego, and so you go about defending your own ego by talking smack about the other person so that they see, so that the other people see, look how bad that person is. They've been saying bad things about me, but I'm going to say bad things about them. You're defending your own ego because you have pride. You see, in every instance of gossip, what lies behind the gossip is actually pride. And so what's the cure? It's humility. If pride is the reason why you're gossiping, the cure is ultimately humility. And we talked extensively about this last week. And so if you didn't listen to last week's sermon, you can listen. I talk a little bit about humility and how we can actually have humility. But let me just reiterate some of the things that I said last week. Humility is loving others more than yourself. Philippians 2 uh, verse 3 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, now he describes what humility is, count others more significant than yourselves. Do you know how you know you're being humble? Proverbs 17.9 tells us how you know, okay? Listen to what it says. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Remember what I said last week? Last week I said humility solves problems. Humility loves. And what humble people do is ultimately they solve problems. They look at problems because everyone's a critic. Everyone can criticize, right? But you see the problem, but you get into it. You get messy. You cover that up. And humble people get involved. They don't just spread gossip about others. They, before they gossip, they think and they ask themselves, how can I help? How can I be a problem solver? How can I get involved? How can I get dirty? How can I serve? How can I love? Before you gossip about someone, think and ask yourself, how can I help them solve their problems? And this is, isn't this what Christ did for us? Philippians 2.3 goes on to talk about Christ's humility, his sacrifice on the cross, how he laid down his life, how he considered himself more significant than himself. And this is why he laid down his life for us. He got messy with us. He covered us. He didn't multiply words. He didn't multiply our sins. He covered our sins with love. He covered our sins with his blood shed on the cross, friends. This is what our Savior did. But look, here's the second thing that this, that this Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9 is saying. It's not only covering the love or covering the offense, but look at what Proverbs says. It says, don't repeat it. You know how you stop gossip is by just being quiet. Don't talk. Don't say much. You know what happens in a gossip conversation is this, right? The gossiper is looking for reactions. They're like, hey, have you heard, man? Did you hear about Greg and Susie? They're like, they're fighting a lot. And, and guess what? You know their kid? Their kid, Johnny, struggling at school. Did you hear that? And you know what the gossiper is looking for? They're looking for you to be like, oh, my God. Tell me more. That's what they're looking for. 
But you know what you do is if you stand there and you just say, okay, okay, um, let's, let's change the subject. I don't think I need to hear this. If you stay silent and you literally cut the gossiper off, I'm telling you, it's done. That conversation is over. It won't go on. It's like the vaccines, right? The vaccines give you something so that you can defend yourself. And I'm telling you, silence is that defense. If you silence yourself and you, you don't give in to the gossip, you will end that gossip right there. James, in the book of James, he says this. He says to tame the tongue like you would a wild animal. In fact, James would say, it's, isn't it interesting that we could tame wild beasts, but we can never tame the tongue? Isn't that crazy? If you go to SeaWorld, you see these like, killer whales jumping out of the water. You, we tamed these massive beasts. We've tamed horses, cows, dogs. Tiger King 2 tells us that we've tamed tigers. It's crazy. But we have never learned to tame the tongue. It's the smallest thing, but we've never learned to tame it. And so listen, taming it is very simple. Don't talk. Don't give in. Don't allow that pleasure to overcome you and stop the conversations then in its track. Now here's the second thing, okay? Avoid gossipers. If you don't want to gossip, avoid them. I said that gossiping is pleasurable, and guess who are the most fun people to hang out with? Gossipers. Gossipers feel like, you know what, man, like you, you feel like you're having a great time, you feel like it's an open, vulnerable conversation, but really, in reality, what you've done is you've talked about other people's sins the whole time. And it's so much fun hanging out with gossipers because they draw you in with their juicy details. They draw you in with all of this stuff, and yet, if you've noticed that there is a friend in your life who talks more about other people than their own sins, I'm telling you, most likely, you are a gossiper. And if you are a gossiper, I'm telling you right now, don't hang out with other gossipers. Don't hang out with them because guess what's going to happen? You're going to end up gossiping as well. Avoid gossipers. And here's the, here's the dirty little secret. Proverbs 20:19 tells us here. A gossip betrays a confidence. Guess what? If they're telling you gossipy, juicy details about other people's lives, if you tell them stuff, they're going to go and gossip about you. You think they're only telling you juicy details? They're taking everything you're saying and they're going around telling other people about it too. They hide it. You know the, the word gossip there? The reason why I use the NIV because other translations don't bring this out. They bring this out, but they call them a whisperer because they do it in secret. You don't know. And this is what gossips do. They take all of your information and they, they will utilize it against you behind your back and you will never know. I'm telling you, if you know somebody who's been sharing all these juicy details about, you, uh, about other people to you, most likely they're sharing things about you to other people. You just don't know it yet. John Piper says something really interesting, and here's the third and last thing that I want to say about gossiping and how to end it. John Piper says this, large-hearted purposefulness that isn't empty or aimless. This is the way we cure gossip. Large-hearted purposefulness that isn't empty or aimless. He, he brings up a passage in 1 Timothy 5.13, and this is where I want to end here. Listen to what it says. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So Timothy is being told by Paul that there are these widows who go house to house and are spreading gossip. And listen to how he describes them. He says, look, they go house to house. They're not only idlers, right? They do nothing. They're lazy people, but they gossip and then they're busy. Isn't that weird? They're lazy, but then they're busy. And in between the lazy and busy is this word gossip. And John Piper says this, he says, he thinks that the reason why people gossip is because they have so much time. 
They're idle. They're lazy. They don't have any purpose in life. And so what they do is they get into other people's junk, other people's businesses, because they want to learn and they want to get into those messy details because they have so much time. So they go around gossiping, and when they go about gossiping, then they become busybodies. You see that? They busy themselves with gossip. And so John Piper says this, look, if you don't want to gossip, fill up your life with purpose. Fill up your life with good. Fill up your life with love and meaning and grace and forgiveness. Fill up your life with these things. Look, let me, look, let me encourage you with this. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Do you know what we can do to replace gossip? In other words, what, what he's saying is this. Look, take away gossip, but replace it with something else. Fill your life up with something else. Fill your life up with thanksgiving, with praise, with songs, with hymns, with spiritual songs, with encouragements to one another. If you walk around with a purpose saying, you know what, I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to share the gospel with people. If the gospel fills up your mouth and your lungs and your body and you are spreading the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere you go through word and in deed, I'm telling you, you will never gossip. You will never, ever gossip. You won't be able to fill up that space with anything else. Imagine if you fill up your home with all of this stuff, you can't fill up with anything else. And if you fill up your mouth with good words, with love and encouragement and with the gospel, you will never gossip. Instead of being bored and idle and filling up your time with gossip, fill yourself up with the gospel. Let's not people, be people of gossip, but let's be people of the gospel. Look, I want to encourage you, like this week in our CG discussion questions, the very last questions, and by the way, if you're a CG leader in here, do not remove this question, okay? Because you're going to be tempted to remove it because it's going to be a time where they get to encourage you. Don't remove it. Okay, let the group encourage you, okay? Let the group encourage you. But the last question on our small group discussion time is all about taking time to encourage other people in the group as well as encouraging your leaders. Friends, if we fill up our mouths with words of life and encouragement, my goodness, we can bring life everywhere we go. We can bring hope and goodness and prayers and peace everywhere that we go. And especially during this Thanksgiving season, I would encourage you, I would impress, I would commend to you. Fill up with your mouth with thanksgiving, praise, encouragement. In fact, I'm going to make it weird right now, even as we go out of these doors. Like try to find somebody and encourage somebody today. Like go tell them, hey, great hair, great shirt. <laughs> Thank you for being so happy all the time. I don't know what, go find somebody and encourage them today. Because here's a sad reality. You can encourage somebody 10,000 times and yet they hear one criticism and it'll destroy them. We've got we've to multiply the encouragements because there's so much negativity going around. Look, so many of us are burning out. I talked to our CG leaders about this the other day. So many of us are burning out. So many of us have negative feelings everywhere we go. And it isn't, isn't it like the church to be able to step into those spaces and to bring joy and love and good news and peace and all of these things worthy of the gospel. Let's be people who fill up our mouths with these good things and really bring life everywhere we go. Encouraging one another. Speaking truth in love. Let's, let's really be people who exhort one another. I, I would rather be a church that's found gossiping positively about people behind their backs. You know what I'm talking about? When you say really good stuff about people behind their backs. Like right now with Pastor Kenny, right? we said a bunch of good things. He's not even here, right? I love those kinds of situations where you get caught, caught gossiping good things about people. Let's be that kind of church. Let's be that in our workplaces. Let's be that in our families where we're constantly encouraging, loving, bringing peace into every aspect of people's lives. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God.
I want to fill up my mouth with praise right now, Lord, not with negativity, not with gossip, not with slander. And Lord, I pray that even as we walk out these doors today, Lord, would you fill us up with praise? Even now, Lord, as we worship you, God, may we fill up our lungs, fill up our mouths with praise and love and goodness directed at you, your Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. Lord, we we pray at this time that we would honor and glorify you. And even with our tongues this, this evening, even as we walk out these doors, God, as we deal with customer service, as we go to restaurants and eat, as we deal with waiters and waitresses, as we deal with all sorts of people in our lives, Lord, may we be people with good words on our lips, that we speak joy and life everywhere we go, Lord. God, we thank you, God, so much for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.